This is Everyday Wellness, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve your health and wellness goals and provide practical strategies that you can use in your real life. And now, here is your host, nurse practitioner Cynthia Thurlow. Right. Today we are talking to Ted Naiman. He's a board-certified family medicine physician in the Department of Primary Care at a leading major medical center in Seattle. His personal research and medical practice are focused on the practical impl- implementation of diet and exercise for health optimization. He is the author of the PE Diet. Welcome, Ted. Hi. Thank you. Welcome. So nice to have you. So. I'd love to hear a little bit about your story because I find the journey that kind of takes us from like the traditional kind of Western medicine mindset to the evolution where we're really focusing on food as medicine uh, is really interesting. I, as I've had more and more healthcare providers on, I love to hear their kind of transitional process, how that started for you. Because I know you, you, are, you post a lot of photos of where you were like when you were in medical school versus now. Um, and I think people really find that interesting, what that journey has been like. Oh, yeah. Well, so basically, I was raised uh, a Seventh-day Adventist, which is sort of famous for being a vegetarian. And I, I don't know if everyone knew that about me, but I, I've told that backstory before. And so I had this Adventist upbringing. And uh, on paper, my diet was really great because it was, you know, plant-based and low in saturated fat and zero cholesterol and all this sort of thing. But I never felt like my health was that great. And I never felt like my body composition was that great. And so I kind of grew up believing that diet was not very important because here I had the best diet you could have and it didn't really do much for me. Uh, And then I went to medical school at Loma Linda University, which is just famous for being an Adventist plant-based Mecca, you know, one of the blue zones. And it's just uh, one of the most vegetarian places you can possibly be on the globe. And so I had this Adventist, vegetarian, plant-based medical school experience. And yet I never really saw any sort of miraculous health outcomes from it. I didn't feel like anyone around me was necessarily any healthier than anybody else. So I left the whole educational experience with the feeling that diet was not really that important. And that actually fit right in with what I was taught in medical school, which is that, um, yes, you know, everyone should follow a vegetarian diet that's low in fat and cholesterol and blah, blah, blah. But everyone's still going to be overweight and diabetic if they have bad genetics because their parents are overweight and genetic. And so here's the medications you give them and here are the complications you can expect. And this is just what happens. Um, So I kind of came at it from this, it's all about genetics Diet isn't that important, Mm -hmm. but if you are going to have a diet, it should be low fat, low cholesterol, plant-based, you know, don't eat animals, whatever. And then this is about 20 years ago. I was in my internship and I was uh, in South Carolina in a really rural, uh, very poverty stricken place that was the diabetes capital, the type two diabetes capital of the country at the time and i'm surrounded by just diabetic complications Mm -hmm. tons of pathology in my residency lots of 
bad outcomes and lots of suffering from diabetes and the whole cardiometabolic spectrum of mm -hmm. bad stuff. And uh, then one day this patient walked in and he, uh, you know, I was so used to everyone getting worse, getting fatter, getting sicker, higher insulin doses, mm -hmm. more complications. This guy um, lost 30 pounds and stopped taking all his meds and he felt awesome and his blood sugar was normal. And I asked him how he pulled this off and he showed me a copy of Dr. Atkins book and said, well, I just read this book and I started eating less carbs and it was really easy. I just lost a bunch of weight. I don't know. And so ever since then, I've been researching the effect of macronutrients on health. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I've realized since then that diet is extraordinarily powerful. Not only is it very powerful in terms of health outcomes, it might be the most powerful mm -hmm. weapon we've got. Well, diet and exercise probably tied. Uh, but... Uh, I came to the realization that the difference between the healthiest people I see in my practice and the sickest people I see in my practice really just comes down to diet and exercise. And mm -hmm. it's really dramatic. And uh, so I've just been extremely geeked out on the diet side of things ever since. And so for 20 years, I've been researching it and trying to implement it personally and professionally. And and I mostly focus on how to communicate this to my patients mm -hmm. uh, as efficiently as possible since I get, you know, 15 minutes per, per client. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of brought me to where I'm at. I, I really wrote the book just because I wanted a way to encapsulate some of this for my patients or my clients or for people who basically had no idea what the heck they're supposed to eat. Well, and it's so contrary to what we've been taught, not only as healthcare providers, but as individuals. I mean, I, I've trained as a nurse practitioner and worked in cardiology for 16 years. And I got to a point where I just grew really weary of writing prescriptions. I, I felt like there had to be a better way. And um, my cardiologist uh, colleagues were really supportive. And, you know, they would kind of pat me on my shoulder, like Cynthia likes to talk about food. And I used to tell them all the time, I was like, it all starts with food, but we've been conditioned to believe that's not the case. And we've conditioned our patients to believe that, you know, all the, the, the foods that our grandparents and great grandparents consumed were detrimental. And I always talk about butter and, you know, cream and, and, you know, saturated fat that you find in steaks and lamb and, and foods like that. And, and so for me, I, I just got to a point out of utter frustration that I left clinical medicine four years ago to kind of pivot. And I love talking about food. Uh, and I find that, you know, I, I love being around other individuals. You know, many of the listeners know my story, but I, I think my breaking point was when I said, there has to be more that I can do than just write scripts because I had, you know, patients in their 20s and 30s, you know, much to your point when during your training, you said you had this very metabolically sick uh, you know, group of patients you're working with, but cardiology, I mean, for the most part, there are people who already have, you know, disease and whether it's acute or chronic in nature, we're just putting out fires. It's like, okay, you know, now your cholesterol, you know, total cholesterol and your LDL are high. So let's just give you more statins and let's add some antiplatelets. And, and, and certainly I want to be very clear. I, I respect and admire the work that my colleagues are doing. I just think we need to have the conversation about food and <laughs> we need to do it more proactively. So from your work with your patients, you kind of pivoted. And, and what I love about your book is um, I'm very much a visual learner and you have a lot of great uh, illustrations and great graphics. And so I'd love for you to kind of talk about 
um, what you refer to as high quality foods versus low density um, foods and, and how you kind of, you know, you have this literally have like a barometer of, uh, you know, what is most beneficial versus least beneficial. And it's very, very clear. And I hope when people listen to the podcast, they go and check out your website, but you've got such great information there that's available for anyone to be able to learn from. Oh, well, well, thank you very much. I mean, I, I'm really coming at this from the, the realization that we created the diabetes epidemic mm-hmm. by separating energy from satiety. Mm-hmm. So if you look at what happened to create the obesity epidemic globally, we basically stripped all the carbs and fats out of quote unquote food with sugar and flour and oil. And we dumped in all of these carbs and fats that represent calories or energy with no actual satiety, no protein, no minerals, no satiety. And that was the cause of the obesity epidemic and the diabetes epidemic. And, and then I thought, well, you know, so we dumped in all this energy and created this problem. How can you reverse that? And then I realized that you could look at your entire diet from this protein to energy standpoint. On one side, you have the protein and minerals that plants are sucking up out of the soil, nitrogen and other minerals and making protein. And on the other side, you have just pure chemical energy, which is carbs and fats. And and if you try to look at your diet from this perspective, it gets really easy to see what foods are going to give you the very highest satiety per calorie and what foods are going to give you the very lowest satiety per calorie. The lowest would be refined carbs and fats together like a donut. And the highest would just be pure protein and minerals, something like fish or something that's just amazingly high satiety per calorie. And you can kind of look at the whole spectrum of foods on this protein to energy standpoint. And it really starts to make sense. Like why eating certain foods are going to lead to better outcomes and other foods are going to lead to worse outcomes. And I think it's just a really useful way of kind of just evaluating what foods are worth your time and what, which ones aren't, you know what I mean? And it's kind of outside of the other religious constraints of other dietary practices like paleo and Mm -hmm. plant-based and that kind of thing. Well, I'm sure you probably try to stay away from the dogma. I know that a lot of, whether you're in carnivore camp or plant-based or truly vegan or paleo primal uh, or keto or low carb for that matter, you know, sometimes people can be very dogmatic. And I always remind people that we're all bio individuals and what might work for you may not work for my body. But I love that you try to keep things very clear, very simple. And I'd be the first person to say that we know the processed food industry has kind of hijacked our health. And there was a statistic that I was looking at in a book, and it was talking about the food industry grosses $1 trillion per year, of which $450 billion is gross profit. The healthcare costs in the U.S. total $2.7 trillion per year, 75% of which is chronic metabolic disease, 75% of which are preventable. And so when you think about that's just staggering. Uh, and I think it's, it's so important for people like ourselves to be talking about these things because we, our health has really been hijacked and not in a beneficial way. Um, and so let's talk a little bit about what is it about carbs and fat together when they're highly processed that make them so irresistible and so difficult. You know, you talk about the joke, you can't just eat one Cheeto or one Dorito, but what is it about them that makes them highly 
desirable, but lowly with very low satiety. So we want more and more and more. Oh, wow. So, so for me, I have to go way, way, way back to the very beginning of what is eating. So, so plants, you know, make their own food. They, they suck nitrogen and minerals out of the soil to make protein out of. They use solar energy and convert it to chemical energy using carbon dioxide in the atmosphere to make carbon strings of high energy carbon bonds. That's your carbohydrates and your fats. And the plants make all their own food. Animals are only alive because we constantly ingest other living organisms. That's what... Do you find yourself struggling to get a good night's sleep? If so, you may be dealing with a hidden mineral deficiency. It is not at all uncommon in perimenopause and menopause to deal with sleep challenges. And we know that one of many contributory reasons for poor sleep can be a reduction in specific minerals that help regulate sleep quality, including magnesium, which is involved in GABA, which is our body's main calming neurotransmitter. We also know that we need potassium to create melatonin. And this is a hormone that is a master antioxidant, but is also utilized to help induce sleep We also think about things like zinc, which can balance excitatory neurotransmitters like glutamate. And if it's overactive, meaning if your glutamate levels are too high, it can prevent your brain from becoming more relaxed and inducing sleep. And lastly, selenium increases both our deep sleep and sleep duration. All these minerals matter a lot for sleep and any imbalances or deficits can have a major impact on the quality of sleep you get each night. And that's why I love Beam Minerals. They offer a full spectrum mineral supplement that gives you every essential mineral your body needs in the right doses, all in a highly absorbable liquid form. All you do is take a shot of bean minerals about an hour before bed. Don't worry, it tastes like water. And you'll replenish all of your body's minerals in about 30 seconds and give your brain what it needs for deep restorative sleep. I've been using this product over the last several months. I've really been impressed with the improvement in my sleep metrics, which I like to share on social media with my followers. And if you want a simple way to improve your sleep, head over to www.beanminerals.com and use code Cynthia for 20% off your first order. That's www.beanminerals.com and use code Cynthia for 20% off your first order. Have you guys heard about a bioactive whole food on the market with 5,000 published research studies backing it? When my oldest son needed to go on antibiotics a few months ago, I discovered Armour Colostrum and the benefits for him and his recovery from being on antibiotics have been instrumental in me now recommending this to my dairy non-sensitive patients and clients. Armour's Colostrum strengthens immunity ignites metabolism, fortifies gut health, promotes hair growth and skin radiance, and powers fitness performance and recovery. My son has mentioned to me over and over again how great his gut feels, how he has improved his digestion and gut function as well. Colostrum is a rich, exclusive source of immunoglobulins or antibodies that optimize our immune defense even during cold and flu season. And we know that mucosal barriers house over 80% of our body's immune cells, including 
including the antibodies IgG and SIG-A. And these immunoglobulins bind and intercept harmful particles like viruses, bacteria, and toxins, blocking them from crossing into the barriers into our bloodstream. And armrest colostrum contains the highest levels of SIG-A and IgG to ensure your most fortified first line of protection. It's sustainably sourced, and it's important to know that you want to mix colostrum only with cold liquids or foods or dry scoop it into your mouth. This is also great for the oral microbiome. And we've worked out a special offer for my everyday wellness community where you can receive 15% off your first order. Go to tryarmra.com slash Cynthia15 or enter Cynthia15 to get 15% off your first order. That's T-R-Y-A-R-M-R-A.com slash Cynthia15. You definitely want to check it out animals are. You are only alive because you constantly eat other living things. You just ingest other animals and other plants and you incorporate their protein and minerals into your body and you incorporate their energy, their stored carbs or fats into your body as well. So that's what we're doing. We're just basically killing other organisms constantly and ingesting them to get protein and minerals and energy. And humans and all animals have appetites for basically four things, protein, carbohydrate, fat, and minerals. And you're just trying to incorporate these into your body to stay alive. If you look at um, sort of an evolutionary perspective, you know, look at our hunter-gatherer past, you, you went around and you killed an animal and you ate the whole thing, or you found any plant foods that weren't trying to kill you and you ate those. And when you are hunting and gathering, it's pretty easy to get enough protein and minerals. You just kill an animal and eat it and you've got adequate protein and minerals, but it's really hard to get enough energy to survive, especially if you're doing energy intensive tasks like hunting and gathering and that sort of thing. So we were constantly looking for more energy. We were very energy constrained and hunter gatherers are always just dying to find some extra energy. If you could find fruit or tubers or honey or a really fat animal, or if you could invent tools and uh, break open long bones for marrow or break open skulls to get brains or any kind of higher energy food, you would always do it. And then in the winter time, you know, there, in the summertime, there's a lot more solar energy. So there's a lot more chemical energy in food. Plants have more carbs in them. Animals eat more plant carbs and have more fat in them. Omnivores can eat plants and animals and get more carbs and fat. So in the summertime, you're, you're lucky because there's more energy in your food environment. But then during the winter time, when there's less solar energy, all you've got is some really thin animal that itself is starving for energy and does not have very much energy in its body and you don't have any dietary energy in your environment. So you're really, really, really looking for more energy. Now, I, I think that humans have always used technology to feed themselves. That's our superpower. Mm-hmm. We don't have you know, the teeth and the claws and the speed and the strength, um, but we have really huge brains. So we use technology to feed ourselves. We you know, learned how to throw weapons. We invented stone tools and then bows and arrows and traps. And we have strategy and we work together in teams and we use tools to kill animals and to butcher animals and to uh, maximize the energy from our environment. Eventually we invented agriculture Mm -hmm. and we realized, hey, if we domesticate a plant, 
and grow a lot of it, we can get all this starch from it. And if we domesticate animals and fatten them up, we can get a whole bunch of fat from them. So we invented agriculture and the domestication of animals, and we just added way more carbs and fats that were readily available year round to our diet. And then we kept pushing the envelope on, on basically technology. So we invented uh, the industrial revolution and the bulk refining transport of sugar and flour and oil. And we just dumped in more and more and more dietary energy. And we have this reward system in our brain. Anytime you can get a lot of dietary energy, it's just fantastic, especially carbs and fats together, which is sort of this peak summertime peak solar energy signal that, you know, you better eat all this energy when you can because wintertime is going to show up and you're not going to get any energy. So when you can get carbs and fats together, that's what fattens up any omnivore mammal, like your bear in the late summer that's eating, you know, salmon skin and berries. And it's just getting way more fat and way more carbs because of all the solar energy that's been captured in the food supply. And so humans have this, this appetite for carbs and fats together and it's very addictive and it spikes dopamine in our brain. And that's why all your problematic addictive foods are high energy density, carbs and fats together, your French fries, your donuts, your pizza, your candy bars, your cookies. It's all just, it's basically a refined carbon and refined fat together somehow to really maximize that energy yield. And we love it and it's addictive and it drives the obesity epidemic like crazy. And then of course it's very low in protein and minerals. So you never really got any satiety to begin with. So you still have to eat more to get the protein and mineral side of the equation. And the whole point of our book is just avoiding this high energy density carbon fat together and going as hard the other way as you possibly can to target protein and minerals um, so you get nutrient satiety at a lower energy intake and you avoid this addictive combination. I'm sure by now you've heard me or others talk about the benefits of using CBD oil, and I'm telling you that it works. Direct CBD Online provides natural alternatives to prescription painkillers and medications. They sell only the highest quality CBD oils, edibles, creams, and more to help you on your search for natural well-being. And they strive to assist you in making informed decisions about your health and the products and supplements you use. If you've been thinking about trying out CBD, I highly encourage you to use Direct CBD Online. Click the link in the description to get started today. And I find, you know, when people are having cravings, you know, if they've put a meal together and they're feeling like they need something sweet or they're not satisfied, even though they've eaten a large amount of food, I would say it always goes back to the macros. And so you know, protein as, you know, the focus of the most important macronutrient. I know that's something that, you know, you and I both share as well as uh, we had Dr. Gabrielle Lyons on a few months ago talking about muscle as the organ of longevity and how important it is to get protein in so that we can ward off a lot of things, including sarcopenia, which is muscle loss with aging. Um, you know, from your perspective, do you find that most of your patients are protein deficient? Because I know when I start talking to women, because I work just with women right now, um, nearly all of them are having really teeny tiny portions of protein. And then they're wondering why they're not staying satiated. They're wondering why the, you know, the weight gain is continuing. And it's because so much of our educational process as it pertains to foods is we're very, very starch focused culture. It's like the pasta, the grains, 
um, you know, gluten containing kinds of items. And so I, I do find that protein is sometimes an elusive magical nutrient for them, but curious to know what your experiences are like with your own patient population. Well, yeah, I think everybody's getting enough protein to be alive and everyone's getting enough protein <laughs> to skate by. But, but when you're, when you're trying to get by with just the minimum amount, you end up having to massively overeat carbs and fats in order to get this protein. And I think that you're never really maximizing your lean mass when you're trying to get by with the minimum amount of protein. So I, I tend to see a lot of people who are eating the bare minimum protein having, you know, low lean mass, low bone density, um, always hungry, eating these low protein percentage foods, and then inevitably eating overeating carbon fats. And so you have just suboptimal body composition. You have two inch fat mass, you don't have enough lean mass, and uh, you're just hung hungrier than you should be most of the time. And you can really undo all of that by just targeting protein a lot harder. And I, I encourage everybody, you know, protein should be the focus of every meal. It should be the focus of every snack. You're basically eating to get protein. Uh, if you're starving for energy, you can always add that on the back end. But uh, that part's a lot less important. And so, you know, we, we can store energy. We have tons of energy. Everybody has tons of energy storage on their body. They can go weeks or possibly months without eating. But you have no way of really storing protein. And you have protein turnover over every day. So that's what you need to be eating daily. And that should be your primary focus. Well, I know that you're also a fan of uh, the quality of the protein that you're consuming. And so, you know, I'm always talking about organic, wild caught, pastured, but what are your favorite sources of protein when you're, you know, speaking about protein as a whole? Uh, I know that on your, on your ratios and on your, your demo, on your graphics, you have some things that are superior to others, but what are some of your favorite forms? Well, so first of all, animal proteins are always higher quality than plant proteins. Uh, plant proteins are incomplete. Uh, a lot of them don't have all of the amino acids in them. Also, animals have a higher nutrient density, a higher protein density, a higher mineral density, and that's just due to biomagnification and bioaccumulation. A plant is limited as to how many minerals it can absorb because it has roots and uh, it can only get what it can from the soil. And an animal can walk around and eat thousands of plants and just bioaccumulate all of the nitrogen and the minerals and the protein. And you just get a much higher nutrient to energy ratio out of animals. You also get a more complete amino acid profile out of animals. And you also get a higher bioavailability where you just don't have as much fiber or anti-nutrients getting in the way. And so from every angle, animal foods are superior to plant foods. Um, when it comes to the quality of animals, I, I do worry about what the animal itself was eating. And you always want to eat an animal that was eating what it's supposed to be eating as well. Although technically that's probably going to affect the fat quality of that animal more than the protein quality. Your protein is probably gonna be about the same, but you start to get really unfavorable omega-6 to omega-3 ratios when you eat like a monogastric animal, like a chicken or a pig that was exclusively fed soybean oil and a bunch of garbage. 
um, versus, you know, a wild caught fish and seafood or pastured eggs or grass fed beef, any, any animal that's food web base was grass on land or plankton in the ocean is going to have a fantastic omega-3 to omega-6 ratio. So my favorite proteins are animal-based and they're animals that we're eating what they're supposed to be eating, grass-fed beef, wild-caught fish and seafood, pastured eggs are the top of my list for sure. That's great. And I think what a, a lot of people probably don't realize is this imbalance between omega-3 and omega-6s. And so in our highly processed, uh, you know, highly processed diets that most of us are consuming, you get this relative imbalance. And so omega-6 oils are like, are the seed oils. So canola oil, safflower, sunflower, um, as well as soybean. And so it should be, uh, I was always taught that it should be a one-to-one, -one, which is not ideal. Uh, that's really not what's happening. It's more like a 20 to one ratio, omega-6 to omega-3s. And so we're not getting enough fish. And instead we're getting these seed oils, which you know are like highly inflammatory, highly rancid, um, you know, can be incredibly detrimental to our health. And I believe it might've been one of our um, Twitter friends who shared a graphic on uh, the correlation between consumption of, I believe, soybean oil uh, or one of the seed oils that it would stay in your body. Like the half-life was like two years, which was stupefying. How many of us go out and maybe at home, we're able to control the ingredients in our foods and then maybe we're out and we decide to have a couple French fries and we go home and feel crummy. <laughs> Largely could be because we're consuming things we don't normally eat, but kind of touching on this, this imbalance that is so, so common as people are getting most of their omega-6 seed oils are found in everything, um, you know, even down to the crackers and salad dressings and oils that we're getting on a daily basis. I, I did a video last summer Mighty Maca is a superfood drink mix full of 30 plus natural ingredients, and it was formulated by Dr. Anna Kabeca during her healing journey. Mighty Maca Plus ingredients, which include nourishing ingredients like organic maca powder, turmeric, quercetin, broccoli, parsley, trans resveratrol, pomegranate extract, and more, were carefully selected for immune support to sustain energy, provide mental clarity, and improve recovery. It also tastes delicious. It supports healthy detoxification and alkalinity in the body, balances hormones, fights free radicals, and neutralizes lactic acid, all while increasing your energy and vitality. It helps improve your digestion and reignites your libido. It's a powerful superfood drink mix that needs to be part of your daily routine. And Dr. Anna is offering my listeners 10% off your first purchase by using the link dranna.com slash Cynthia. That's 10% off your first per that's 10% off your first purchase by using the link dranna.com slash Cynthia. It's delicious and nutritious. At some point, we've all been sold a big fat lie. It's called the protein misconception. So starting in the 1980s, we all believe that more protein equated to more muscle growth. And I'm here to tell you it's a big misconception. This has a great deal to do that our body can only absorb protein that's broken down into smaller building blocks called amino acids. 
It doesn't matter if you're consuming 30 grams of protein or 300 grams of protein. If you don't have a sufficient supply of enzymes to digest the protein, your muscles will ultimately be unable to use these as vital building blocks. That's why it's crucial you take a high-quality digestive enzyme. The one I trust and use myself is called Masszymes by Bi Optimizers. Masszymes is a full-spectrum enzyme formula with more protease than any other commercially available product with five different forms of protease. Plus, it contains all the other key enzymes you need for optimal digestion. If you're experiencing bloating, gas, or digestive distress, a contributing factor can be that your body is no longer producing as much digestive enzymes. And you can try Masszymes today, risk-free. They have a 365-day full money-back guarantee and is the gold standard in the industry. Go to biooptimizers.com slash Cynthia. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com slash Cynthia and use promo code Cynthia10 for 10% off of any order. Again, that's promo code Cynthia10 for 10% off any order. About Trader Joe's, which I affectionately call Trader Junk. And um, I'm not sure if you have those in Seattle, but uh, I was <laughs> yeah. my, my two criteria being in Trader Joe's is to no soy, no seed oils, or actually it was no canola oil. And nearly everything I picked up <laughs> had one or the other. And so it was really hard to navigate the store and try to find healthier options. And, and I was really trying because I had so many people who wanted me to do a video, but I'd love for you to kind of touch on like what happens in the body when we have this... Um, you know, pro-inflammatory and anti-inflammatory oils that were getting too much of one and not enough of another, what actually can happen in the body. Right. So, so like you pointed out, you know, evolutionarily, our hunter-gatherer ancestors probably ate omega-3 to omega-6 in a one-to-one ratio. And when you eat land animals that had grass at the base of their food pyramid, that's what you're going to get. Or if you eat uh, ocean animals that have plankton at the base of their food pyramid, you're going to get this fantastic ratio. But when you base a lot of your diet off of nuts and seeds, Mm -hmm. which is what uh, the industrial seed oils is doing to you, you get this really high omega-6 um, ratio. And then the problem is it gets incorporated into your body. And you can just look at the linoleic acid, the omega-6 um, proportion of anyone's tissues in society. And it just goes higher and higher and higher. We see this in humans, but we also see it in um, animals that are raised by humans. And everyone just has higher and higher omega-6 content of their tissues. Now, to be fair, we don't know exactly the full extent of how bad that screws you up, but it's probably (laughs) bad. Like, we really don't know exactly what's that doing to your mitochondria and what's that doing to your tissue quality. But we know that it's bad. I mean, we have... um, You know, for example, uh, in the pork industry, you know, every pork farmer knows that you can't feed too much soybean mash and soybean oil to your pigs or you're going to get soft pork, which is this pork with a really high omega-6 content. And the tissue quality is so poor that you can't make certain um, food products out of it because the pork is just too, quote unquote, soft, like the, the tissue strength isn't there. And that disturbs the hell out of me. I mean, especially if you look at how many, if you look at the statistics on 
you know, patellar tendon ruptures and ACL ruptures and Achilles tendon ruptures and biceps tendon ruptures in humans. And then you look at the omega-6 um, content of their tissues. There does seem to be an association there. Now, I, it's, we haven't really proved causation on a lot of this, to be fair. Um, so it, it's a little bit associational, but I think it's probably bad. I don't know exactly why it's bad or how bad it is. And we need more studies, but it's kind of a slow process. So we don't have a lot of RCTs or that kind of thing. But yeah, it's probably bad and exactly how bad it is. I don't think anybody fully knows yet. Yeah, it's interesting when um, Chris and I were writing Primal Eating, which, you know, kind of discusses some of the things that we're talking about today. There was a report of a Skittles truck that was en route to a conventionally uh, raised cattle uh, farm and presumably because the farmer was going to feed the Skittles to the cattle. So kind of going back to what you were saying earlier, we are as good as what we eat eat. So uh, that is why, you know, trying to get back to uh, a more ancestral approach as it pertains to uh, consuming meats and, and fish that are consuming what they should be consuming, whether it's grass or plankton, as opposed to lots of grains, which fatten a lot of these animals up prior to slaughter. Now, I'd love to pivot and talk about some of the other things that I know that are really important for you when you're talking to your patients about other ways that we can kind of optimize our health. And so I know you're also an intermittent fasting uh, fan, um, as well as things like HIT, high-intensity interval training, and how people can incorporate these strategies into either their day-to-day -day or week-to-week -week activities. Oh yeah, sure. Well, I do. I love intermittent fasting. I'm a huge fan. I really like the 16-8 um, interval, which I think is a sweet spot for the just a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I I don't like extended fasting. I'm basically never telling anyone to fast over 24 hours, but I am a big fan of 16-8. I do think that helps people. Uh, first of all, get more fat adapted. Secondly, get more in touch with hunger and fullness. And it, it just really helps. Um, it, it especially helps people, I think, who are still eating a lot of carbohydrate mm -hmm. or, or lower food quality. I think once you've hit your goal weight and you're eating all the right foods, it's less important. But I do think it's a really good tool. And uh, I, you know, I, I do it myself pretty much daily. Uh, on the exercise side, I'm a big fan of trading in duration of exercise for intensity of exercise. Mm -hmm. So I, I like brief high intensity forms of exercise, either cardio or resistance, hopefully both. So I like high intensity training, which is just a basically a resistance exercise with the highest intensity of effort that you can manage. And then I like high intensity interval training, which is the same thing with cardio. You know, you just go all out for as long as you can, rest a little bit, do it again. And I think a lot of people don't have time to exercise. I think the number one reason my patients aren't exercising is time. Mm -hmm. And what I think that this very high intensity um, form of exercise does is allow them to get the same benefits in a lot smaller time uh, uh, commitment, which is extremely valuable in modern society. So I'm like, how can you exercise in five minutes? Mm -hmm. And so we have these tiny little nano workouts in the book that where you've cranked the intensity up as high as you can get. 
and the frequency is high you're doing them daily but the uh, duration and the volume is so tiny that you just really can't come up with an excuse for it and i think that's the way to go in modern society i think these tiny little nano workouts are the future because nobody's got time to go to the gym and turn exercise into this giant production no and i love that i'm curious while you were social distancing or distancing at home uh were you doing your workouts at home or do you have a home gym uh i believe i've seen some of your videos so it sounds it looks like you probably have got some uh, a nice setup at home that you use when you're not able to get out and about well i really just have pull-up bars like that's the only piece of equipment i really use uh but yes uh, the gym closures did not affect me at all uh i continue working out from home all I need is something to pull on, like a pull-up bar, mm -hmm. and I can do a full-body workout, cardio, resistance, uh, push-pull legs, whatever, just using gravity and the floor and a pull-up bar. And that's what we talk about in the book. It's how to work out at home, how to work out with almost no equipment. You really only need something to pull on, like a TRX or a suspension trainer or a pull-up bar of something to pull on. And uh, there's really... Uh, I think we just make exercise so complicated. It's just a nightmare for so many of my mm -hmm. patients. It's like, okay, you, you have to, you know, put on your workout clothes, put on your workout shoes, put on your um, trackers and your heart rate monitors. And then you have to drive to the gym and you have to get a locker and you have to pay your personal trainer and you have to, it's gotta be an appointment. It has to be at least an hour because otherwise it's not exercise. And then you have to, there's just so much overhead that, it, it it basically is something you you can't do sustainably long term. You just can't. And so everyone does it for a week or two and then it just falls off their calendar. And then they basically next thing you know, you have an exercise for a year. Well, you know, I think the, the secret is to do something super tiny at first. It's really sustainable and you can turn it into a habit, you know, do one set of pushups every day. And just make that a habit. It's going to take you 40 seconds. I mean, that's nothing. And then you build on that and you just try to lower the bar of entry so low that uh, you almost have no excuses left. You know what I mean? And that's that's what the book is about. It's this ultra minimalistic uh, approach that basically removes any barriers to entry. I think it's all about meeting people where they are. I know when I was a new NP, I was, you know, really dogmatic and would say it was, you know, it has to be done this way. And I've just come to find that when we meet our patients where they are, we're going to, they're going to have so much more success and it takes some of the pressure off of them that, you know, slow and steady wins. That's a, a mantra that I really embrace. Uh, and, and ironically, you know, in so, while social distancing, I have two teenagers and my spouse, obviously, and, we had to create a home gym. And so I have one child who avid swimmer, ninja warrior kiddo, the other one plays football and swims as well. And, and we came up with all sorts of creative ways to exercise with kettlebells and TRX bands and a treadmill. And thank goodness we were able to walk outside, but we actually canceled our gym membership. And as much as I miss like getting out of the house and exercising, cause that for me was, you know, a really huge, um, huge attractive component was to get out of the house but I'm starting to realize now that I can have super efficient exercise programs at home and I don't have to actually leave the house. So therefore I don't care what I look like when I'm in my workout stuff, which takes a whole other layer of pressure off. 
Well, I would love for my listeners to be able to find you. What is the easiest place to find you? Check out your book, um, you know, find some of your resources. I know you have some great YouTube videos that people can watch and get more information on. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah, I mean, the easiest place to get a hold of me is Twitter. Uh, I'm at Ted Naiman on Twitter. Uh, I, I'm also on Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube. It's basically at Ted name in most of those locations. Uh, the book is called the PE diet and the best place to get a hold of that is at the PE diet.com. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm, uh, pretty much, uh, Twitter is the easiest place to track me down. Let's put awesome. it that way. Well, thank you so much for carving time out of your busy schedule to connect with the listeners and me. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for listening to Everyday Wellness. If you loved this episode, please leave us a rating and review, subscribe, and remember, tell a friend. And if you want to connect with us online, visit the link in the show notes. Just as you carefully choose the cut of meat or freshness of produce that you cook at home, you should carefully choose chemical-free cookware that provides a healthy and safe cooking experience. The materials in 360 cookware are safe, sustainable, and of the highest quality. Their cookware is 100% free from any toxic chemicals as the company produces quality stainless steel cookware and bakeware without added chemicals, and all are manufactured in the United States. It's also the leading manufacturer that equips kitchens with cookware and bakeware that are free of all of the toxic chemicals and coatings, including PFAS, Teflon, and ceramic. And the best thing is that when used properly, the product's construction provides nonstick properties in a product that can be passed down through generations. Go to www.360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. Again, that's 360cookware.com and use code CYNTHIA20 for 20% off your first order. We've been using their products over the last several months and have really been pleased with not only the durability, but ease of cleanliness.